Well, good morning, Springbrook. Yeah, I tell you, it's a special morning because it's Easter morning. In fact, back in the day, in the early church, when Christ followers would see each other on the street, uh, one would say, He is risen, and the other would say, He is risen indeed. Because the resurrection is the core of everything. If the resurrection didn't happen, I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> okay, I don't know what I'd be doing, but Jesus Christ had to rise from the dead. It's such an important date in history that all other dates are adjusted to it in the sense that you talk about A.D. and excuse me, B.D. and A.D. and you can say after death and uh, before before the cross and after death. I'll get straight here. And so, yeah, I mean, this is really, really important for you to understand the purpose of Easter and to understand fully uh, the message. Now, we are so thankful you came as a guest today and you came with some friends or with some family or maybe you saw us on the web or maybe you saw our sign before it died. Yeah, I said, oh, man, I hope... God resurrects this before the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. But now, uh, yeah, it's a great day. Uh, this past week, I know many of you are aware of the fact that the Chicago Cubs had their ring ceremony. That's right. They, they give the rings out. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> uh, they make the rings and then they give them out in the early part of the season. And so there was this whole presentation of the rings. And I thought, this is really interesting. So I'd like to show you a video that talks about how the rings were made. It's 108 years in the making. To see this ring, I think it's going to excite everybody in Chicago and every club around the world. First and beginning point for us was the bullseye logo, which worked with rubies, sapphires, and diamonds. The players had an interest in having 108 stones in the ring and symbolizing the 108 years it took between championships. From the side, they wanted to see the W flag and the marquee. And then on the back has the player's motto from this year, which was, we never quit. It's got some fun inside, too. We've got the game scores from each of the San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Cleveland series. We have the time and the date that the game was won in Game 7. And then we do have a goat inside the ring. We had at least two, 300 different conceptual drawings. The hardest things to do in jewelry are the simplest things. We probably made about 125 different C's. Given the historic significance of this ring, we spared no expense. It's incredibly elegant. In our organization, we'll be awarding rings to everyone who is a part of the Cubs organization, including all the fan-facing positions in the ballpark. From our longtime staff, the folks who've been at this thing so long, I think it'll be the accomplishment of a mission, scaling of a hill. Wrigley Field and this team uh, mean so much to Tom and his family that they want to just give back. And by awarding rings to everyone in the organization, is a way of them saying thank you.
they put a lot of work into that. <laughs> and that ring certainly is something glorious to represent what the Cubs accomplished last season. And you know what? You can get your own ring, a replica, about 25% smaller. And it's going to cost you $10,800. That's all. For 108 years, $10,800. <laughs> yeah. Now, you've been wondering, what do I get Dad for Father's Day? Now you know. <laughs> In fact, there was a certain man who bought one of these rings. And he said, I've never seen anything like it. He said, I have six children, and the birth of my children would be the only things that superseded it. Watching them win the World Series, and he was at Cleveland, at Cleveland, this ring will be my biggest keepsake. Wow. He must have had cup bottles when he was a kid, you know, like that. And he must have been watching TV while his mother fed him. He must have been going to all the, the different Cub games. Because he's a hardcore Cub. If you spend that much money, I just hope he spent the same kind of money on his wife. <laughs> I mean, she's the one who did go through the six pregnancies, okay? But, but this is a guy who was totally committed. This was so important in his life, he was willing to lay this type of money on the table. Hmm. Think about your own life. What days have been significant? What days stick out and often come to your mind as really positive memories? I can remember mine. I was five years old and I was attending a church like Springbrook with my mom and dad. And uh, my mom and I got talking and started talking about Jesus and what that all means. And she, she explained to me uh, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. She shared with me the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet yeah, God loves me. God loves you. Now, you might think God is angry at you for some reason. He just wants a relationship with you. He wants to be there with you. And He wants to take you into eternity. But the problem is that my mom said we're sinners and uh, He's holy, so we can't really cross paths, one might say. Uh, so Jesus Christ came to solve that problem. God sent His own Son. What an act of sacrificial love. He sent his own son to this earth to die. He lived a perfect life, so he fulfilled all of the law. And he was both man and God, which gave him the unique opportunity to be able to represent both. So he could die on our behalf because he was human as well. And he died for all of us. And we should have been up. On one of these crosses, right? Because the penalty of death, uh, excuse me, the penalty of sin is death. It means that a, a person doesn't make a, makes a decision about Christ, a wrong decision, or maybe they don't make a decision, defaults to the wrong decision, that when they die, they're going to spend eternally suffering. And I know that's a really hard thing to hear, 
but it's true. And that's why we at Springbrook make it a priority. And all of our ministries, all of the funds that come in, again, are targeted on one goal. And that is to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. So they can not only experience it in this life. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, well, I'll get out of hell and all that stuff. No, I mean, the Christian life begins right away. And it's wonderful. I've walked 50 years with God. And I can attest to his love and his patience and his power. And he's just awesome. And that's why during these times when we get together, for Easter especially, we want to tell everybody here. We're not sure who's here, where they've come from. But we want to make sure you know, you know, that you have to make a decision about Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people call Jesus a, a great religious teacher. A lot of religions just throw them in there for some type of credibility. <laughs> but that, that, that can't be. He can't be a good teacher. Why? Because he said he was God. Think about a teacher in your life. Somebody really made an impact upon you. And if they came up to you and said, hey, by the way, I'm God. What would you say? Wow, I really have been taken. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're going to think, well, either this person has been lying to me all these years, or maybe this person has just lost their mind. Uh, they're a lunatic. Or maybe this person truly is God. He is Lord. He should be Lord of my life. That's the only option I have. What are your thoughts about that? Are you willing to say Jesus Christ was a liar? I don't think so. But that's really what you have to come up with. I mean, either he is God and, and he can save you and, and love you, and, or he's a liar or a lunatic. You can't get around it. I and the Father are one. Well, right there you go. He's claiming to be God. The Jews answered him, Is it not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God? They're going to stone him. Why? Because he was claiming to be God. So, that's a question you need to think about. Do you really think that Jesus Christ was God? Because if you do, that means that uh, you have the opportunity to have your life changed by him. Then he makes another exclusive statement. He says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father Except through me. In our culture, uh, in a sense, it's become more spiritual because people are talking about different things of spiritual nature and new age and that kind of thing. But the one thing you never, ever say is that this is the only way to God. All the other religions are teaching something that is not 
true. And you say, well, you can't say that. Well, I can say that. And you've got to make a decision about this. So don't you be calling Jesus a great teacher. You can say, oh, yeah, we are talking about Jesus the other day. He was such a liar. And that guy was a lunatic. He claimed to be God. And he, he said he was the only way to God. Man, he really had some issues going on. Well, that's one option. The other option is, wow, he is God. He died for me. He paid for the penalty of my sins. And I want to become part of his family, which, of course, uh, we highly recommend. <laughs> so Jesus Christ was not just a good teacher. You got to choose one of those. And we have a crowd like this, people new to our church and things of that nature. You know, the one thing I want to encourage you to do before 2016 is over is to make your decision about Jesus. You might say, well, you know, I, I can make that later. What, what, what? Are you going to be around later? I don't know. I don't know how long I have on, here on this earth. So, so, I mean, the point is, if, if, if it you know, really gets you thinking, say, by the end of this year, I'm going to make a final decision. That means you have to research it, right? You have to read books. You have to talk to other people about it. And again, every atheist, it seems, who's written, uh, who's written a book trying to debunk Jesus Christ has become a Christ follower. Why? Because it's the truth. In fact, in theaters right now, is Case for Christianity, uh, Lee Strobel's story, the journalist of the Tribune who became a Christ follower and then was serving out at Willow Creek. Wow, that's a great movie to take anybody uh, who has any interest in Christianity, because it's true, and we've got to wrestle with this. And so we, we talk about people who are seekers, people who are, are, they just don't know. I mean, many times people will hear the gospel, and they won't fully understand it. But the more they hear it, the more they think about it, they, the more they ask for um, insight from God, the more it makes sense. But again, you've got to make the decision. And those are your three choices. Those are your three choices. I'm, of course, uh, my desire for you is to know Jesus. Now, we're going to look at the three crosses of Good Friday and what they represented. We read in Luke 23, an eyewitness account of the crucifixion. Two others who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the Skull, or Golgotha, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. You ever wanted that? I mean, you'd think Jesus Christ would be enough, right? I mean, he's the one who had uh, written in on uh, the donkey, and everybody claimed him as a Messiah. I mean, who needs anybody else up on that hill but Jesus Christ? Because, again, the Jews had rejected him as their Messiah. He was not going to overthrow the Roman Empire or anything like that. So why is that? Well, it's to fulfill a prophecy. We see in Isaiah 53:12. Therefore, I will divide him 
a portion with the maid. This is talking about Christ on the cross. Remember how his clothes, you know, were ripped and uh, people took different things. And he should divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Jesus Christ, while I was on the cross, became a sinner. Right? Because he was bearing our sins, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So when Jesus Christ is on that cross, he was taking our place. You know, what he did on the cross is equivalent to eternity spent without him. And at noon, the lights went out, and God put all the penalty of our sins and everybody who's lived sins upon Jesus. And, you know, again, God had to turn away. He couldn't look upon a son because of the sin that was upon him. But he became a sinner paying the sinner's penalty in order that we wouldn't have to. We really belong up on these crosses. We need to receive that penalty, but God doesn't want that to happen. And that's why we tell the good news. Chris Kibaki and Karen and Max. Uh, Chris uh, was diagnosed with cancer this year, and we're praying for him and I called him up this past week and said, I need three crosses made. He's a craftsman. I never need anything nice made. Uh, Dr. Chris. Uh, and I said, I know you can't do it because he's in the middle of chemo. I said, no, no, I can do it. And so he put three crosses together. That was just amazing. They're a wonderful family that loves God and have been transformed. So you look at the three crosses. So there were three because it was prophetic but also because it's an illustration of the gospel. It's an illustration of the gospel. In fact, there's three different types of crosses that we're going to look at today. The first cross is rebellion, the cross of rebellion. We'll take this cross and make it the cross of rebellion. This is a person that does not choose Jesus. Now, if we look at the thief here, and again, we're not sure why they were on the cross, but most likely we're thinking something of that nature. They were thieves. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. You see, he might have been one of those people, or certainly had heard about it, but when Jesus Christ was recognized as the King of the Jews, when he made his appearance, on Palm Sunday. And now he's hanging on a cross. So this guy knew, hey, hey, you said you were the Christ. You said you were the Messiah. Hey, get us down from here. That just makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, why are you suffering when you don't have to suffer? As Rich so wonderfully talked about this past uh, Good Friday, and he could have hordes of angels coming down to... Remove him from that situation. But he didn't do that because he wanted to die. He wanted to pay the price for our sins. 
Isaiah 64, 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Over the years, obviously, I've had a lot of opportunities to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you the typical response I get from people who have grown up in other churches, things like that, and then maybe they dropped out after high school or maybe they went back. But they they say to me, you know, (laughs) I'm working on it. I say, are you going to heaven when you die? I'm working on it. I'm working harder. I accepted Christ initially at whatever age, but in their mind or what their parents taught them or what the church taught them, You have a maintenance plan that you have to pay in order to keep your salvation. You have to go to church so many times a year. You have to be a certain type of person. There's somebody worse than you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You have to be a certain type of person. You have to be seen as somebody who's creating value, someone who's loving other people, someone who's sacrificial and so they say all that to me and i say so you're not sure you're going to heaven if you die nope i hope so i hope so i hope so i hope so that's what i hear all the time man i hope so how can you tell if you're working your way to heaven if you've really got to that particular point where you can, you know, you got more white chips than black chips. Friends, hope is everything in this world. You cannot live without some type of hope. We exist on hope. And my hope is Jesus Christ. That He died for me and I don't have to do anything for it. It's it's just done. He did it for me. And all I have to do is accept it. I feel so bad for people who don't know the Lord and how they put their hope in you know, things that are, are not going to carry them anywhere or do anything good over the long run. And that's why, you know, we're so passionate here at a church that teaches the gospel. Because we've experienced how good it is to walk with God and to know Him and be a child of God. Yeah. My dad's bigger than your dad, right? When I became a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit came into me. And he's been living there for 50 years and... uh, yeah, it's just amazing how it it makes this crazy life make sense to some degree. When you find out what the Bible says about this world and God's plans and things like that, you go, oh, not crazy about the pain, but oh, that's how it works. What, what's your hope in today? If it's not in Jesus Christ, what is it in? Is it in your job, relationship, your wife, children? Is it uh, 
the prestige that uh, you experience? Is it the stuff you have? What is your bedrock hope? So when you have a fatal illness and you're laying in a hospital bed, who are you going to turn to then? My, my hope is that you turn to Jesus, that you'd accept Him, that you, you would begin a relationship uh, with Him. Now again, any of our efforts, if we're thinking we're working our way to heaven, all of us become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Any filthy rags at your house? Filthy rags are the ones you really have to throw away. I mean, they are done. They no longer can be used. It's painful to use them. You used it and you threw it away. And that's what God, that's how he views your works if you're working to heaven. They're not worth anything. No. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind Our sins sweep us away. That's a sad thing, isn't it? Sin shrivels us. And the more sins follow and we're just carried away. And we have no hope. Now, again, people are depending on their good works to get to heaven. But it's just the opposite. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. I've been a pastor for 25 years, went to school for it, and sought to live for God through His power throughout my life. But there's nothing special about me. I'm just using my spiritual gift here. Those guys are using their spiritual gifts, uh, special uh, abilities that God gives you when you become a Christ follower, to be a teacher or a helper or uh, have the gift of service. Yeah, I'm not special in any way because we're all, we're all believers. Right? We're all high priests in the sense that uh, we're all equal. We're all equal. So there's nothing special about me. So I can't go bragging about what I've done, what I've experienced, and things I've done for God, because that doesn't count. It is a gift of God. And how do you accept a gift? Well, you just take the gift, right? The problem, probably the main problem, that people don't respond to Christ is pride. Pride. We're... In America, where we'll get it done our way. All right? I don't need advice. You know, I'm going to get it done my way. Frank Sinatra, my way. You know, my way. Because if I have to depend upon you, that means I'm weak, which you are, which I am. <laughs> so, so they refuse to become humbly before the Lord and say, God. I don't have any good works. I don't have any resume of, of uh, what I've done in my life to earn this love for you. Your love is a gift you give. You just give it, and there's nothing that I can do with it. But then it goes on to talk about works, right? 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That workship, uh, workmanship, uh, the word for that in the original language is masterpiece. Masterpiece. Did you know you're a masterpiece? You are. God made you in a unique way so that when you became a Christ follower, you could again serve Him and serve others. You are a masterpiece. Now, you might have a low self-esteem. You might have an inner critic in your head that's always telling you what you're doing wrong. But that's not the truth. You're a masterpiece if you have chosen Jesus Christ. Three crosses. We have the cross of rebellion, which basically said, I can do it on my own. I'm going to keep working at it, or I don't even care, like this guy who was on the cross. And he said, why don't you save us? And No. That's a very sad the very sad cross. Then we have the, the, the cra- uh, excuse me, the cross of repentance. This is the cross of repentance here. Who is hanging on this cross? Well, this particular man said, but the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? So, what are you talking about? You're up here too, okay? What do you have to say about it? See, we're all under the sentence of condemnation because of our sin. But Jesus Christ, again, took our place on the cross. Luke 23. And we indeed, this particular man goes on, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing. He says, hey, listen, we're supposed to be up here. We knew what we shouldn't do, and we did it, and now we're paying the penalty. But this man's done nothing wrong, and he's hanging on a cross. Why would that be? Why would that be? Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he turns toward Christ. And again, he's got no no good works to bring. He doesn't have a resume. I mean, he's on the cross for doing things wrong, and he's about to die in a couple hours. But he knows who Jesus is. God has revealed it to him that he is the Messiah. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come. Into your kingdom. Well, that's quite a ask, isn't it? I mean, you're being punished for something, and Jesus, could you remember me? Is there any way I could go and live with you? I've got no time to you know, impress you, <laughs> all right? No time to earn my relationship with you. And how does Jesus respond? I'm sorry. Verse 43 should have been in there somewhere. Uh, Forgive me. Um, God goes on to say, Today you will be with me 
in paradise. That's how Jesus Christ responds. I mean, you think of, you know, this guy is up there and he's in agony and pain. And he says, Jesus, I've got nothing. But will you remember me? And Jesus said, today, today, when you die, you'll be with me. God loves you so much. He loves you so much. I mean, this is the beautiful illustration. Right? I mean, here's a guy who's obviously at the end of his life with nothing to show for it. But Jesus shows grace and mercy to him. See, that's who Jesus is. Jesus wants you to respond to him. And recognize who he is. And ask for this free gift of salvation he provided for on the cross. He really does. And I know people in this larger crowd, there's some people saying, oh, I've heard this so many times. When does he get out of here? You know, I mean, I'm so bored. Well, I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to you in a special way. And that you would open your heart at least to considering what it means to be a Christ follower. The last cross, of course, is reconciliation. Jesus Christ's cross, or redemption, one could say. Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and did give His life as a ransom for many. The word ransom was used in buying slaves off the auction block, and then letting them go free. And we're slaves, right? We're slaves of sin. And Jesus pays the penalty, and He says, now you can go free. And we can walk together throughout this life. First Peter 3.18, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, the holy for the unholy. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. That's how we get to God, right? Jesus made the bridge. And when we come into relationship with Him, God views us as holy because all our sins have been forgiven. Obviously, we commit sins, but they've all been forgiven. So... God can have fellowship with us because we are holy. And this is what we call the salvation prayer. There's many different versions of it. In fact, if you look in your uh, program, uh, you'll find this particular pamphlet. And this is another, just another way to present what I, I presented today so you'll have something you can look at and talk about. Uh, but there's a prayer in here in terms of how you actually become a Christ follower. The most important thing is you mean the prayer. Uh, again, a lot of people have prayed, but uh, their heart really wasn't in it. And uh, they never really do follow Christ. So, a couple of pages at the end here. It says, what should I do? Okay, my life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. 
They believe Christ to live, came Christ. They believe Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sins. Forgive me. I turn my selfish ways and put my trust into you. I know that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and I will follow. Let's pray together. Now, if you have been here and the Spirit has spoken to you and said, yes, this makes sense. It's time to make the decision. Don't draw back. Don't draw back. Don't say, oh, I'll do that when I'm older. Uh, well, hopefully you grow older, but you don't know. You want to be transformed today because life becomes much more satisfying when you're with Jesus. So you can repeat this prayer silently. It's a prayer you only have to say once uh, because then you become a child of God. My life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all, and I will follow him. Lord, I want to thank you for those who are here today who who made a decision and finally said, okay, Jesus Christ is my Savior. I don't have to work my way to heaven. As soon as I accept him, I'm guaranteed eternity. And uh, I just pray that they'd be blessed. It says when one person comes to Jesus, <laughs> everything changes. Everything changes. They have, a, they have a, a choir in heaven of angels that sing when one person comes to Christ. But if you made that decision today, they're rejoicing. Lord, thank you for this wonderful time. I love to share the gospel. I know there's a lot of people here, a lot of different responses, but my prayer is always that people would take one step closer to Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.